Hello and welcome back to the Woman to Woman podcast. Thank you so much, firstly, for choosing to listen to this podcast today. I really appreciate the love and the support and you won't be disappointed by this episode. I think it's really important for us to explore the world through different people's visions, walking in their shoes and looking at life through their perspective. And that kind of is in terms of anything from careers or um, gender or sexuality, but also community and culture as well. And that's what we're going to cover today. I first met Neha a few years ago now at Vibe 107.6 FM. We were both volunteering in Watford and I was recording in Studio 2 and she was doing her show live in Studio 1 and I had to ask her a technical question. She came out, she helped me straight away and she just carries with her this kindness and positivity whenever she walks into a room. She's just wonderful. As time has gone on and we work together at Aspen Weight Radio, Neha and I have have got closer and I'm really pleased that we have. She's a wonderful friend and if you needed to ask her any advice or just needed someone to listen to you, she would be there. She really, really would. Whether you need her to kind of track down a man you're talking to to check he's not a catfish, she'll be there for you. Or whether you just need someone to, to cry to or to moan to, she'll be listening. Nehar is absolutely wonderful and I really enjoyed chatting to her about her upbringing, her culture, her community and how she views the world. You're listening to the Woman to Woman podcast and this is Nehar's story. So we've got work going on because the tree surgeons are next door, which is just wonderful, isn't it? Working from home life. Tree surgeon, yeah, we've got like some roadworks going on. I have no idea what's going on. It's so annoying. But yeah, I tried to stretch the bloody microphone and it just wouldn't move. So I was like, I just have to use this one. So hopefully this sounds okay. It sounds fine. It sounds perfect. Okay. Fine. Yeah. That's all right. It's just this microphone is just wobbly wobbly because it's on my bed. But wibbly, I'd rather wobbly. that than be rather that than be on the floor. It was I mean, really the... weird seeing us both with like makeup on. <laughs> I know. I know. I feel so pretty today. I know. My it's the first time I've worn makeup in ages. Let me take a picture of us one second. I even washed my hair. I know. It's looking very shiny. Oh, I forgot. Right. So, there. And then let me take, let me take the close-up. Uh, got it. <laughs> it's so cheesy. So we're just taking <laughs> photographs because that is what our career is essentially yeah, about. Exactly. Our industry is basically about bragging, let's be honest. I know it's literally just about bragging and talking about ourselves and being like, yes, I'm the best. This is me. <laughs> I mean, we are though. So I know exactly. <laughs> How are you anyway? Are you okay? Yeah, I'm all right. You wake up really early as you always do. Um, no, a bit of a lane today on Fridays. I wake up uh, about quarter past eight, done a workout, done the social media work. Now we're here. Yeah. And then I've and got, then got a drive show later. Yes. Fun times. I can't believe you? next week's my last week. I'm so sad you're leaving. Mate. It's mad. It's literally properly my last week. Like I'm going to be covering here and there, but there's no official. I was going to do Sunday and Monday night, but that's not happening now. So Ben called me and was like, uh, we managed to get it sorted, um, but I still like to get you to cover. I was like, yeah, whatever. Just get me to cover whenever. Like I'm all good for yeah. February. But like that next week is like my last ah! week. They like it. I know. It's crazy. Oh. It's going to be so weird. Imagine until I put loads of effort into my show now <laughs> the last week. <laughs> Oh, Neha, Neha, Neha. Well, I've known you for quite a while now, let's be honest. I know, I know. From Vibe to Aspen. Do you remember the first time we met? No. Oh my God. 
good. No, I don't. Was it in the studio? I think you were next door and didn't I wave to you? Yeah, it was that vibe. And there was a problem with the system or something. So I had to get you to come out and you sorted it out in that secret room with all the wires. Oh, I remember. So yeah, the restart thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Cause Gazza, Gazza taught me that. Oh, cheeky little Gaz. I know, God. exactly. <laughs> obviously, vibe vibe ended how it ended for everybody. Um yeah, I know. <laughs> and then Aspen Wake brought us closer together. I know. So I'm gutted that you're leaving. It's fine, but when you oh. come and join the BBC one day, so uh, we'll be we'll we'll be together then, so it's all good. <laughs> Tell the listeners what you're doing if they don't know. Goals. Goals, yeah, we'll do. What the listeners doesn't on here. Like right now. Yeah. Mm. Are we on? Is this live? We're on. We're recording. Oh, okay, fine. Hello. This how are how you? we roll here. I just start here and record. Casually. Oh, it's okay. Just click record. I'm just vaping away like no tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Used to smoke. Stop smoking. That's the good thing. There you go. Exactly. It's all good. Yeah, sorry, exactly. that's a little bit of element of surprise. I like to kind of get the guests like talking, having a little chat, and then I hit record suddenly and they don't even realise. Well, at least we weren't weird this time round because normally we are a bit strange and a bit weird at the beginning and like we were actually quite normal today, which is good. I mean, there's still time. Yeah, there's still time. Yeah, there's exactly. still time. There's still time. So you're going to go work on Asian Network. I know, it's really exciting. So I'm off to BBC Asia Network on the 1st of March. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm just super excited. Chart show. The nation, nationwide radio. It's going to be mad. And it's quite interesting that it's BBC Asia Network, considering that I've brought you on the podcast today to speak about your culture and your community. So much stuff to talk about, exactly. And the thing is, I think with our culture, it's really, it's definitely different how I've been brought up, probably how Mm. you've been brought up. And there's probably certain things you're probably thinking, what, really? You weren't allowed to do that? Or you never got a chance to do that? But it is actually really different. So people who aren't from the Asian community will probably be able to get a good perspective of like, what it's like to be Asian in our culture, etc. 100%. I'm sure there might be things along this journey when we're talking, there might be things that you've kind of learnt that you maybe don't agree with always and you've seen other cultures and you might have shaped your own to an extent. But we'll we'll come to that a little bit later. I wanted to start off by saying if I say any wrong terms or anything, obviously I shouldn't because I should be an educated individual. But if I do, <laughs> tell me um, because there's always room for me to learn and improve my vocabulary when it comes to speaking about different cultures. Um, and that goes for the listeners as well. They can learn something new. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, all my friends are actually white. They're English. So they're still asking me questions till this day and I never get offended. Or if they say something wrong, you know, they're like, oh, is that wrong? Is that not way to say it? And I'm like, no, it's fine. And I just correct them. So it's all about learning. So And now you can say, actually, I can't be asked to talk to you about it again. Go and listen to this podcast. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Go and listen to this podcast, my friends. Okay, stop asking me questions now. All right. Yeah, you're annoying. All right, do one. Yeah, do exactly. One. <laughs> so Neha, I know you through the the media industry. We're both obviously presenters. Um, that's a bit obvious from the get go, really. But let's let's go back a long time to Neha's childhood. What did that look like? Well, I would say growing up in a completely, completely white area. Like seriously, my my first primary school was fully fully English I was the only Asian girl in the school so for me that was normal but obviously I encountered a lot of racism being called a packy left right center in my primary school I saw you flinch when I said that (laughs) (laughs) it's like oh god I once on that on that word I once said it as um at primary school at home with my family didn't know what it meant I heard a friend say it and my sister locked me in a room for an hour 
and had a go at me and I didn't know what was going on or why did she but I learned a very good lesson and never said it again Oh, wow. Well, to be honest, people have said it and said it by mistake. Like, I'll be honest, one of my friends once accidentally said it. We were at an airport and um, we were on, on the way to holiday and she basically got a fake tan done and she literally was showing me her nails and she was like, oh, my fake tan is really dodgy today. I literally look like I've got packy hands. <laughs> oh my god literally this is like my best friend and I was just sitting there going oh my god what did she just say ground eat me up now and then she instantly (laughs) realized what she said and she just apologized and literally I just educated her and said you can't say these things or whatever it was and then to be honest you know she realized it she apologized I explained why you shouldn't be saying these things and then she realized and then it's never happened since so for someone listening who maybe doesn't understand why that's wrong to say can you enlighten them on that yeah of course it's basically a racist term towards brown people I mean even if you're Indian and you're not Pakistani you know people get called that term as a racist slur really so so when she said that I was really really shocked but then since then she's not said it and she does bring it up sometimes like can you believe I said that I'm so sorry she was mortified but the thing is people do make mistakes and they say wrong things because that's sort of the world that they lived in growing up maybe they Mm -hmm. had their grandparents saying it maybe they had their parents saying it doesn't make it right FYI absolutely does not make it right but of course if your parents aren't going to be telling you that that sort of stuff is wrong like for example you're sister locked you in a room and said no this is not right then how are people ever going to learn and if you don't have Asian friends and you don't you're not around Asians you know sometimes you don't realize that it's wrong if that makes sense but now she's educated I mean you should know it's wrong um but white privilege in a lot of ways stops you from um think understanding that you need to educate yourself even if you're not surrounded by people from those particular cultures and, and groups um Go back to your childhood and your area where you were. You're the only Asian girl at school. Where? What area was that? So it was Burnham. So I live in Buckinghamshire, Burnham area. So I would just say Slough, but I'd rather say Windsor. But we'll we'll roll with Burnham as its own little place. (laughs) So it's like a little village and it is very white orientated. When we first came to this area, I literally was the only brown girl in the village. And slowly, slowly, there's a lot more Asians around here. Slough is right next door. So they've all migrated to this area now. So my secondary school was a lot more multicultural. But then again, still very much so five Asian girls, the rest were English you know so it wasn't as multicultural but it was much better than my primary school that's for sure so when you were at primary school did you ever feel a sense of being different and the odd one oh, out? yeah definitely I was actually having a chat with this guy actually the other day that um I'm chatting to and I was telling Ooh, him about all cheeky. these little stories oh yeah he's off the apps guy I went on a date with and um I was telling him about the stories when I was a little kid so in primary school I had a group of friends and we used to love acting like we were obsessed we were the performers of the school and mm-hmm. um, we used to play in the playground we used to pretend to be certain characters in different sitcoms so Sweet Valley High was really big when I was in primary school um Power Rangers uh Sister Sister Sabrina the Teenage Witch like all these little different shows from the 90s we used to pretend to be the characters when I was little Sweet Valley High had a uh, white they're they're white sisters and there was a black friend I had to always play that black friend and in primary school we had Power Rangers my blonde haired friend got to play the pink one which obviously you know everyone wanted to be the pink one 
everyone wanted to be the pink one, but I had to be the yellow one because she was Chinese. Um, so, you know, it's just those little things. Um, I did get put in little boxes and stuff, but yeah, I did find that a little bit strange, but I didn't realize that until I grew up, you know, I was like, oh, that is actually really weird. But then it was like, all right, I don't mind being her, you know? What teachers? Yeah, teachers. Yeah, I found teachers were, there weren't many Asian teachers. I mean, I didn't have great relationships with teachers. I'll be honest, I wasn't the the um, most well-behaved child in school. Um, I know a lot of teachers used to think I was very spoiled. And I had an incident once with a teacher where I had a fake designer bag. It listed secondary school. It was a fake designer bag, but, you know, they just thought I was spoiled. They thought it was real. And I remember they put me in the side room and I could hear them shouting on the outside. And she's saying, she's just so spoiled. She's come from one of those Asian families that just spoil their children. And, you know, she thinks she can come in here and do what she wants. And like really sort of rude in that sense, because coming from an Asian family, we are very much so, we're we're sugar-coated. We're wrapped in cotton wool a lot more than maybe the average non-Asian person. So Mm -hmm. things like buying me new bags when, you know, Pocahontas became a big thing. My mum bought me loads of like, things and pencil cases and stuff and you know all the other kids that may not have come from a background where they're so you know wrapped in cotton wool would think well my parents don't do that you know I used to get chicken nuggets at lunchtime instead of sandwiches and they'd be like oh she's so spoiled but it's just the culture and the type of background I've come from that that's how my parents have kind of brought me up so the teachers just thought I was spoiled but really it's just it's just we're super family orientated and super just like that if that makes sense okay okay Sounds like that teacher was being um, racially biased. Yeah, she wasn't. I didn't really like her. It's funny that actually, because I think two years ago before my school closed down for good, because it was that bad, Ofsted closed it. We went back to do a reunion just to have a look at the buildings and the classrooms. And I bumped into that head teacher and my old manager from my office also went to that school. So he was there too. And she was like, oh, I'm surprised you hired her to him. She was like, she nonstop talking all the time. You know, she's a right trouble. I'm not surprised she's on radio and TV. Like, she's just so nasty. And I was like, seriously like you're about 100 years old now just shush your mouth now (laughs) you should know better lady you should know better I can't stand her it's interesting you say um wrapped in cotton wool which then meant that you were given gifts and things um Mm. because ordinarily the, the term like cotton wool would mean you're you're super safe it wouldn't relate to to buying things so it's quite interesting that you use that term When Mm. you say wrapped in cotton wool, describe those kind of things that happened in your childhood that you felt, yes, I I am safe, I am protected more than the other kids. It did really frustrate me being wrapped in cotton wool. It's just an Asian lifestyle of growing up. For example, you're not allowed to have boyfriends. Mm -hmm. You are not allowed to go for sleepovers. The amount of times I had to beg my mum to let me go for a sleepover with my friends because obviously when you're younger that's like the fun thing to do right and I would beg my parents they wouldn't let me they'd say you know you you know you're very different to English girls we don't want you to to kind of turn out like an English girl in the sense where you're doing things you're not meant to be doing like sort of drinking and boys and watching things you're not meant to it's just more of a protective thing but it did really bug me I wasn't allowed to watch EastEnders like you know, when I was old enough to be able to watch it, I literally was obsessed and I watched every single episode, but I wasn't even allowed to watch EastEnders because there were sex scenes in there. I had a magazine that I wanted to buy, which was all about the Spice Girls, but the Spice Girls were quite naughty in the 90s, you know, yeah, and they yeah. 
would talk about sex openly, but obviously being a girl who's like eight, nine, 10, however old I was, my brother bought me the magazine, but he got a black marker and he literally took out all the swear words, all the sex words, anything that was, you know, gonna, you know, unwrap me in my cotton wool. He did that, which looking back, I'm like, okay, fine. He's being a sweet brother. He's being protective, but it was super over the top, but that's kind of normal in a normal Asian household. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that you said about the the kind of views that your your parents had on English girls. Did any of those kind of things that they, they said, maybe about um, our young girls drinking and what have you, did that ever rub off on you and you would look at your friends differently? No, never, because no. I was always one of those naughty Asian girls where I kind of always did what I wanted to do. And because I had, I was in that environment with just English girls, for me, I felt all that sort of stuff was normal, no matter what my parents say, because at the end of the day, our parents used to tell us all sorts of things when we were younger, but we never really listened or wanted to do what they said. So, no, I was so used to, you know, knowing that going out and drinking with your friends, having a sleepover, drinking in the park, chatting to boys, all that sort of stuff for me was just like normal childhood stuff. Whereas other Asian households that were a lot more stricter, that sort of stuff was forbidden. And because that sort of stuff was forbidden, I kind of didn't really get on with a lot of Asian girls when I was younger because I was very different to them. It was very westernized. Like my dad drinks, for example. I'm a Muslim. That's unheard of, you know? So we are quite westernized and quite modern. But because of, you know, that lifestyle of how I was with my friends when I was younger, I never actually... I got on with Asian girls, obviously, but their families and our families were very different, you know? Yeah, yeah. And you probably felt like you you kind of worked your way to fitting in with the girls you were at school with who are mostly mm. white than than the asian um girls as well yeah. um i was gonna say i always forget my trail of thought it's that lockdown thing again isn't it <laughs> um when you said there about um being muslim mm. of those kind of rules that were kind of put in place for you as a child, no sleepovers, no boys, Mm. blah, blah, blah. How much of that is Asian community and how much of that is Muslim religion? Uh, I think majority of it is Asian community uh, when you're younger, but when you're older, in your 20s, those rules are bent a little bit when you're in other religions. But unfortunately in my religion, they weren't bent. So, you know, things like not having a boyfriend. Um, I had a boyfriend for eight years eight years and I was with him from 17 till like 25 I think 24 25 and that was a secret that's weird isn't it and the thing is it's really difficult because when that sort of stuff happens when you're older when you've finally got your independence you know when you're able to go out and do what you want to do it's like you're starting from when you started in your 20s like 20 for example or like 19 it's like I'm starting all over again doing things like him meeting my parents that you would have gone through at 18 I have to go through that at like 20 something you know so it is a little bit difficult as an adult trying to adapt to you know the life that I wasn't allowed to live as a kid but I am now It's, it's, it's really weird was that guy from the Asian community yeah, he was Pakistani Muslim. So why was it a secret? Because we're not allowed to have a boyfriend. So it doesn't matter if they're from the same community. It's just you can't have a boyfriend full stop. No, because they don't want you to get into things, bad things, where it's like you get into relationships, you sleep with them, you have sex with them, and then you move on to the next one. I <laughs> know it sounds like that's just life. So it's sex without upon. marriage. 
yeah. is the problem. Frowned upon. Yeah. So, I mean, if I was like 17 to 20, whatever, 24 when I was with him, if I said I wanted to get married at 24, then that probably would have happened. And then you get all the freedom, but it's not the route I wanted to go down. Does that mean your parents think you are a virgin now? Most likely, yeah. But you've never had that conversation? Never. And it's a conversation you can't have. Why? Though saying that, so you, you just can't. It's society, it's community, it's the culture, it's you speak to any Asian person, that conversation is never had. So I was meant to go to Bali this time last year, mm-hmm. just before lockdown hit. And I had to beg my parents, like they knew about my boyfriend at that time. Uh, I had to beg, beg, beg my parents. I worked on it for about three months just to find out if I was allowed to go on holiday with him. Like that's what I had to do. And how old were you then? Like 30. Okay. Mad. Different. Isn't it mad? It's, it's mad, isn't it? It's because I'm not, because I'm not married. That, that's what it is. Because I'm not married. So I asked the question. I was like, please, can I go, et cetera, et cetera. And it's frowned upon in the community as well. Like, for example, if an Asian girl goes on holiday with her boyfriend, they're not even married. You know, what's going to happen? My parents said yes, because, you know, we, we thought I was going to be getting married to this person anyway. So it was all good. They said, fine. My mum said yes, finally, after asking her for a little while. But it was my dad, which was the hard one to crack. And then he finally said yes. But things like, oh, you're going to sleep in different rooms, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, of course. And then my mum basically said, like, closer to the time, make sure you be careful and you know what I mean. So it's kind of one of those things (laughs) where they know, but we just don't talk about it. And I think that's the only time I've ever had a conversation. Just be careful. So in terms of sexual education and those kind of conversations about relationships, I'm guessing it was never had. So where did, you, where did you learn those things from? I learned those things from hip hop music videos. Um, I learned those things from TV. I learned those things from, you know, conversations my friends would have. Like I remember going on a sleepover when I was 12 years old and we went into my friend's room and we were playing this game. Is it Blinds Man? What is it? Blind man's buff, blind man's bill, what? whatever blind, it's called. Blind man's bluff. That's the one, right? right? Oh yeah, we made a joke because I called it blind man bill. That's why I call it that now because I just couldn't remember the name. <laughs> and we walked into this room and um, one of the girls had a blindfold on. And then all of a sudden we heard this buzzing and somebody took out their mum's stepmum's dildo from the drawer. And I was like, whoa, what's this? So like, I learned things from my friends. I've learned things from, you know, TV. Like I saw a dildo at 12, you know? So it's like, yeah, I guess it's just from all those type of things that I learned. And I remember when I was younger, right? I um, went into my brother's room and oh, this is a really funny story. I went in and I said, oh, can I watch um, Can I watch some Disney stuff in your room? Because I didn't have a TV in mine. He's like, yeah, yeah, of course. So obviously mm. the video was in there. I pushed the video in. V- VHS is that what it was called back in the day I pushed it in thinking I was going to be watching I think Care Bears or maybe some sort of Disney movie I can't remember what it was and it wasn't a Disney movie if it was it was very x-rated and I <gasps> sat there and watched it for about five ten minutes I wasn't I'm not one of those shameful kids that get scared I get intrigued I'm a Scorpio it's in me <laughs> so I was sitting there like wow what's this that's interesting so it's the other men in the Asian community allowed to watch porn. Is it a taboo Absolutely. subject there? 
Absolutely. They're allowed to have girlfriends. They're allowed to watch porn. They're allowed to do drugs. They're allowed to drink. They're allowed to, they're allowed to do everything that we can't. But luckily as an adult, my family have been a lot more westernized and let me do what I want. However, in more traditional Asian cultures, you know, the fact that I've been on holiday with my friends to Ibiza like four times and I've been to all these different places. I go out on nights out. I wear what I want. I love fashion. They're cool with that. However, in the Asian community, that sort of stuff, you know, is frowned upon, especially for a Muslim girl. And I'm sure Muslim girls look at me and think, oh, yeah, she's so lucky she gets to do all this stuff because when I'm not allowed to, you know, I had friends, Muslim friends who weren't allowed to do half the stuff that I get to do, you know? Yep. So, but the men can, can do what they want. How did that make you feel growing up? It was just a thing that it, I accepted it growing up because I just thought it was the no, it was the the norm. It's what I knew. It's what I thought it was. So growing up, I didn't think it was unfair because I just thought that's the rules. I literally thought that's how it had to be. And how does it make you feel now? Yeah, very angry and totally against you know, how men get like, for example, little things like, you know, the other week, my brother left his plates in the sink. And I was like, you're not going to wash it then you're waiting for us to go wash it, you know, like little comments like that. He does a lot of work, by the way, but I was just in one of those moods. And I was like, you know, you're not going to do it. And then, um, then he finally got up and did it. Or it's things like he doesn't even know how to fry an egg. And I'm like, you don't even know how to fry an egg. Like you need to learn these things. Oh, I don't need to learn. It's because my mum does so much for him. So I think in those things as an adult now, when I have kids, I need to make sure they know how to cook. They know how to clean. They lift their fingers up, you know, and they do things. Whereas like, for example, my dad, bless him. He's so cute. He can, he can have a rest now, but um, he literally doesn't do anything. Does not do anything. My mum does it all or I do it. But I make him do things now. It's really interesting. I mean, there are some similarities between my dad and and your dad, but that's not a community thing. That's just a, a, a lazy some men. Thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they're cute though, so that's all right. Yeah, they're cute. They're cute. Um, it's really interesting the the kind of differences between the women and the men. Have you had any times where you've really kind of resented your religion because of those things? Yeah, sometimes I have. Yeah, because I just want to kind of just I have. Yeah, because I think like I wish I dated when I was younger more and been able to I mean, partly it was my fault for being in a relationship for eight years. So I may have had dated, but it was just all in secret. And I don't like that. I'm not I don't like lying about anything. I love being very honest and open. And, you know, that horrible feeling where you've had to tell a lie. And it's just like that for me is just a horrible feeling and then obviously growing up it's just like well if I had dated when I was younger when I was allowed to maybe now you know I wouldn't have I wouldn't be finding it so hard to find someone now because mm -hmm. in your 20s that's meant to be the time when you're meant to be dating loads meeting different people and really figuring out what you want and I think now I've kind of missed all of that out so now you are single at your your current age is that mm. kind of seen as a bad thing in your community yeah, massively. Because it's like, by my age, I should be married and having kids. Like, for example, I have a friend, bless her. She's been married for about a good couple of years, maybe three max. But she was waiting to qualify as a solicitor. But she's constantly getting the pressure from society. When is she having a kid? Well, I want to qualify first. Now she's qualified. When are you having a kid? Not yet. When are you having a kid? Whose decision is it? Is it mine or is it yours? Like, it is very, very common in the Asian culture, especially when you get married. The first thing they start saying is, right, when are you having a kid? When are you popping the baby out? I mean, it's mad, is isn't it? Also, pressure from the husband. 
majority, I would say it's probably from in-laws, family, grandparents, um, husband and wife should have that conversation. We're in 2021 now, I think, though I feel like had I pursued a relationship, I probably would be pregnant right now. (laughs) Tell us about that relationship. The first one um, that lasted many years. Yeah. Why did that end? Because we were together from 17 to 24 and we just grew apart. We literally just grew apart. I broke up with him and, you know, it was a point where I I think probably the last three years he was struggling to find a job. I think he was mixing in with the wrong people. And I just thought it's not really the life that I wanted to live. And I didn't really want to marry someone like that, though, personality wise, he was a sweetheart. He was so lovely. Still today, still keep in touch with him. Absolutely lovely person. But I just think as you get older, you both kind of want different things and I just had different expectations at 24 and it just didn't match his so it was a mutual decision when I've been through breakups in the past that have been quite um heartbreaking if we say I've been able to cry and lean on my mum your relationship was a secret so yeah you couldn't do that so who did you go to that's actually a really good question I don't I think I I went to my best friend, my best friend, Monica, me and her are like literally sisters and she was really good friends with him. So she was there for me. I remember the day that I broke up with him. I went around her house because she couldn't come to mine because they'll be like, well, why are you crying? So I went to her house and she got me some Greg's pasties. (laughs) We love carbs. Um, She got herself some sausage rolls and we had Pringles and we just watched movies and I just sat there and cried. I remember that day, actually, just weird, just thinking back to it. But I had to go to hers. And, you know, she knew everything. So does it make you feel sad that you can't talk to your mum or couldn't then? Does it make you feel like you're missing out in some ways with a closer relationship? did then yes a little bit because I don't like lying however with my second one my second breakup my whole family knew and um I kind of wish I told them when I was younger because I feel like if I had told them I think they would have been understanding it's just the way society has conditioned us to think that this is forbidden and you must not say anything right but had I told them I bet they would have been amazing because the way they've been with this breakup that I recently had bloody hell like don't need any friends I don't need anyone like they are enough they did so much for me and my friends did loads too but as I'm saying like they were just incredible so I wish I had told them so why did that relationship end the more recent one Oh, it's a long story, Hope. We've got, we've got time. Five years. We've got time. <laughs> we've got five years. Well, I'll give you the short version of it. So basically, I was with him for two years. Mm-hmm. And I know he wanted to get married quite soon. Asian culture, you have these conversations beforehand. You kind of know that it's on the cards once you feel like you two are right for each other, etc. And um, I was like, not yet, because I don't even know you, mate. Like, I need a bit of time. Like, I'm not one of those Asian girls, like, quick, that's it, arrange marriage, boom, kid. You know, so I was like, not yet. And then um, then he got a call from work to say he's got an opportunity to, to go all the way to Manila in the Philippines. And I was like, happy days. Wow. Great for you. Also, I was really pissed off because I was only with him for about a year and a year and a half ish. And um, I was like, oh, God, it's just before my birthday. And oh, I was like, oh, I'm going to miss you. Anyway, he went. He said it was three months. It ended up being six. And obviously with his return, my plan was to go to Bali to the Philippines to do a bit traveling, go for two weeks, and then we will return back together. Anyway, lockdown happened. They went into lockdown. He came back. I got to see him for one weekend, happy days. Hadn't seen him for about six months. And then 
one weekend and then we went into lockdown and because he's from a different part of the UK he's from Cardiff I didn't get to see him for four months it was tough it was hard it was awful so you can imagine in that six months I saw him I did see him when he came back for Christmas and I saw him once in March then in the lockdown period I saw him twice like you can imagine in 10 months you haven't seen someone you do feel a bit of distance and we did have our troubles while he was away you're not making effort you're being too demanding you're always filming like those things are normal right yeah but we worked it out we're mature and then we had a few conversations over lockdown about our future and stuff and I'm like when are you gonna introduce me to your family like it's a joke he met my mum I was like you I can't even meet your sisters like what's going on it was really weird and um it just got to the point where he finally turned around and said oh do you want to meet my my family and we were like oh god yeah obviously like I love this person of course I want to meet your family so we me my mum got the train all the way to Cardiff so you didn't just go by yourself no, because it looks bad in the Asian culture to just go by yourself. And also I was shitting it. I was so nervous. I didn't want to go on my own, especially if I'm meeting his family. Like it's not just his sisters. I was meeting his mum, like his cousins. And I don't know, it was just too much for me. And I felt like there might be a language barrier and, you know. Okay, with the taking your mum thing, if I had met a boy and I mm. or a man and I was going to his house, I wouldn't take my mum. That would be really yeah. quite a weird thing for me to do if I was like oh my mum's coming but in your culture in that scenario did you take your mum not only as support and the language barrier but also because you were meeting the family because you were going to get married yeah it was a serious thing but it was more about taking my mum yes that was obviously in the cards for the future but it was more about taking my mum because it looks wrong for a girl it's society it's how we've been conditioned for a girl to get the train all the way to Cardiff on her own to go meet her boyfriend's family like it doesn't look good as well why don't your dad go? Oh, because bless him. He's like 70 odd and COVID. We just wanted to make sure that he okay. kept safe. Okay. Traditionally, though, Hope, traditionally, if marriage talk is on the cards and you meet each other's family, the man is meant to come to the woman's house. And, you know, so me and my mum went. But it wasn't like a traditional um, marriage chat meeting. It was just, uh, we go meet the family. I asked him, like, oh, what's going to happen? Oh, Neha, nothing. You're just going to be meeting my family and uh, we're just going to eat some food and have a chat. And that's it. Okay, I got there. It was nothing like that. It was nothing like well, that. Tell us, tell us when you walk, go, when you got off the train, how were you feeling? And then Stick. talk to us through the day. So got off the train, had this massive, huge fruit basket, because obviously when you go to meet someone and it's about marriage, you take Indian sweets, but we're not talking about marriage. I was told it's just a chat. It's just meeting the family. It's very casual, right? It's first meeting. So I took a fruit basket. I couldn't think of anything else, right? We can't take alcohol. We're Muslims. So fruit basket it was. And I was carrying this big old Ikea bag, got into a taxi and an Uber because none of them could drive. So I had to get a taxi because they couldn't pick us up. So we got an Uber covered in plastic. That was a weird experience for me because it was near the summertime when lockdown was all new and I was like well, this is weird plastic <laughs> taxi like house was covered in plastic for a second no 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 the, uh, <laughs> it was, was a, like... it was a plastic house they lived in a bouncy <laughs> castle it was ever so weird and then I it threw up <laughs> and this taxi question. was really weird quick question yeah. what were you wearing 
I was wearing a long dress, which I did take a picture of and ask him if this is okay to wear before I went. It was a long dress down to my ankles. However, there was a situation because there was a slit in my dress. And because there was a slit in my dress, when I was in the taxi approaching his front door, my mum said, don't get out that side, get out this side. I went, what? She goes, you're going to flash everyone, get out this side. So I had to make sure I got out the other side to facing the opposite to them. So I didn't flash them. And I, I literally, when I got into the house I had my legs like jammed together so nobody just in case like the slit my leg just decided to go hey when you say flash them you don't mean vagina you just mean a bit of skin leg right just a bit of skin leg yeah just to clarify yeah just because it doesn't look right it's not it's not respectful you know especially such a religious family like hey with my leg so I had to be really really careful and then yeah, obviously, before I got out of the taxi, I felt really sick. I'm not going to lie. I said to my mum, I want to throw up. I was nervous. I've never been in that situation before meeting someone's parents, you know, because obviously I never had that as a kid or in my 20s. So for me, in the age of like 30, it's This was the anxiety. first time you've first ever met time. a boyfriend's family. Yeah, yeah. Because as you get older, you get more anxiety. You get more nervous about things, I think. And when you're younger, you're fearless. You don't give a shit. So like, obviously, for me at that point, I was like, oh, God, I feel sick got in absolutely fine family were lovely not gonna lie completely different to my family very religious lovely family super sweet did so much cooked so much was so loving bam marriage talk wasn't expecting it he didn't tell me anything about it they gave me gold they started talking about dowry they asked me what color outfit I wanted they told me what ring I'm gonna have they uh, went straight bulldozer and what really upset me was obviously I was wedged between family members my eyes are watering and I was really scared like I wasn't expecting this and nor was my mum. Like we both rocked up in English clothes. Like we would have been in traditional outfits and made a bit more effort had we known. I got gold given to me, like in our Asian culture and someone gives you gold. That's like a, you're in my family now type thing. I was told nothing, nada, literally. And we left, we came home and they were like, can we have some dates, please? We want to get the um, marriage done as soon as possible. Um, we have, you have registries. I have a registry too. I live in this country, but we also have an Islamic uh, paperwork that we have to sign. It's called a nikah. It basically means you're married in my religion. I want to get that done straight away within the next month, month and a half, something like that. And I was like, he hasn't even met my dad yet. Like he hasn't even met my family. <laughs> and um, they were just like, yeah, well, let's do that next week. And I'm like, it's COVID. We've got to be careful. Like my dad is shielding. Like he's trying to stay yeah. away from everyone. You know, it was just a bit much. And basically... We went back and forth. We tried to come to some sort of compromise. I didn't feel comfortable marrying someone that I haven't spent 10, like haven't seen in 10 months. Like I felt distant. I felt during lockdown, they didn't put me as a priority. When lockdown opened, they could have come to the UK. They could have come to London. They could have come here, but they chose to learn how to drive because it's cheaper in Cardiff rather than prioritizing me and actually making some time to spend time with me over those like missed months, 10 months of not being with each other. You know, I was furloughed from work. I felt really lonely and, you know, I felt really down and, you know, I was really upset because I didn't understand why he would not come back 
from Cardiff to London. This man has a flat in London. He lives here. He's only in Cardiff because of lockdown and because he happened to be locked down there and he wants to make sure his mum's okay. But what about all those years when you've lived in London? Who's been looking after your mum then? Like prioritise me a little bit. His sisters were able to look after him. He basically didn't make me feel a priority at all and wouldn't answer why he wasn't coming back from Cardiff. It was always a different story. Now all of a sudden it's his mum. He wants to look after her. So it just didn't sit right with me. And I'm all or nothing. Like when I'm in a relationship, I give them everything. And I just felt like he just wouldn't do the same back for me at all. And it was slowly getting to the point where I was thinking, do I really want to be with someone that's not got my back? Do you think there was someone else? Hmm? Do you think there was someone else? I was thinking that. I was thinking maybe their family was putting pressure and maybe he was, um, I don't know, introduced to people arranged marriage type thing while he was in Cardiff or whatever but I don't know I don't think so I don't think he was like no I don't think he was I don't know what he did in Manila I have no idea but what I do know is that he did want to marry me and he wasn't compromising and understanding of the fact that I didn't want to do marriage now especially like leaving in a pandemic none of my family from abroad would be able to come to the wedding like you know anything I said wasn't an option everything he said had to go and that comes down to our Asian culture and our community of how sometimes the women's opinion just does not matter when a girl gets married she leaves her house she leaves her job she leaves her area she leaves her friend for her it's the biggest moment in her life in the Asian culture and for him to think that I could just do that on a whim within four weeks because of his family's pressurizing him because that's part of our religion really pissed me off for the fact that he didn't understand that I have responsibilities at home. I'm the only one that drives at home. So I take my parents everywhere. I pay a lot of bills in the house. I pretty much pay majority of it. Um, You know, I've had situations where my brother's not been working for a while. So I've been, you know, looking after everything. So he knows about all those responsibilities, yet he still expected me to just get up and go. Um, And this, it gets worse, but basically we were going back and forth back and forth every day and he just completely went from one extreme to another we're muslims we need to get married i've been with you for two years though islamically it's haram okay i understand it's haram but we need to get married like haram means bad so you know you get halal and haram meat Mm -hmm. so halal food is when it's been um slaughtered a certain way yeah Exactly. Slaughtered a certain way and blessed and the blood's drained out, etc. So halal is like basically another term of it being the right thing to do in our religion. Haram is bad. Like, you you know, God will frown upon you. And I get all of that. Right. But I've been with you for two years and I haven't seen you in 10 months. I'm not being forced into a situation I'm not happy with. You haven't made the effort to come back from Cardiff. Had you have done that, I may have done it, you know, in a couple of months. But you've also got to make the effort. It's not yeah. just me. And when I said to him, I called him a few times saying, you know, let's chat, chat with my, my, um, with me face to face, come down from London, come down from Cardiff to meet me. Literally was just like, how dare you? I'm not going to come down as soon as you click your fingers. I'm sorry, mate, but I'm trying to sort us out, like work this out. Mm -hmm. It basically, what got to the point where I broke up with him was the last conversation where I'll do it in a nutshell. He basically said, I'm Islamically incompetent. I'm not religious enough. Uh, I'm not a Muslim because I don't want to be forced. I don't want to get married now. Like I don't want to do it in the next couple of months because of that. I'm not a Muslim. It's not my fault. It's my parents fault. He slagged off my parents. Then he turned around and said, to be honest, the way you've acted this week, what wanting an opinion. Okay. The way you've acted this week. um, I don't know if I even want to marry you anyway. 
okay, so something clicked to me. I thought, you know what? Why am I traveling all the way to Cardiff? Why am I the one waiting for six months when you come back from holiday? Why am I waiting for you to come back from Cardiff? Why am I making all the effort? when you are not doing anything, all of a sudden you've gone from zero to hundred. I said, let me come to your flat in London and let's talk about it. He went, no, I don't feel comfortable you being in my flat anymore because Islamically it's haram for you to be in my house when we're not married. Okay, though two weeks ago, I stayed around yours for the whole weekend and we were Netflixing, Netflix and chilling. And all of a sudden, like now religion's coming into it. So for me, don't slag my family off. Don't call me, don't call me uh, Islamically incompetent yeah. because I don't want to be forced to do something which could wait a couple of months. Like if you really loved me, you wanted to be with me and understood that, you know, I wanted to wait a couple of months because we're in a pandemic. Don't, you know, don't call me Islamically incompetent. Don't say that I'm not a Muslim because I don't want to get married and then next thing is don't slag off my family and don't go from zero to 100 and be an absolute hypocrite do I really want to marry someone who can change in seven days of a bit of family pressure no when you were in their house um talk us through the looks exchanged between you and your mother and the looks exchanged between you and him he was happy days as if like, this is the best thing in the whole entire world. He was smiling and like, I don't know if he could tell I had my eyes watering. That just shows how unaware he was. I don't think he could tell. I didn't say anything that night, by the way. I told him the next day that I was really pissed off for the fact that you didn't tell me any of this stuff because I didn't want to ruin the moment. He was so excited. Um, my mum was also just very like, yes, I understand, but we need to speak to her father. Yes, I understand, but we need to speak to her father, like polite as anything. Um, so yeah, they, my mum was more shocked when we were on the train on the way home. His family were lovely, by the way, like really, really, really sweet. What did your mum say to you on the way home? Lovely family, really sweet, very different to us though. Um, did you not know that they were going to talk about all this stuff? No. Okay. We don't believe in doing an Islamic wedding without doing the proper wedding, you know, like giving the girl away, she leaves her house, like doing it properly with family and friends. The one daughter they have is the biggest moment of their life, you know? So we want to do it correctly. So she was a bit upset about that. That moment's going to be taken away from her. Would other girls from the Asian community, would have they been excited about that meeting? Not knowing that was going to happen, would it have been like, oh my goodness, this is fantastic. Let's do it. I think nowadays in 2021, absolutely no way because you're meant to have communication between you and your partner. If there's no communication, then that's just a fake relationship. Mm -hmm. You know, um, maybe naive girls who are like 18, 20, who just want to get married, do that, have an arranged marriage and then later get divorced because there's no compatibility, um, you know, or some of them get told that they need to get married to this person X, Y, and Z. I'm a big believer in, I don't believe in divorce. Yes, it happens. And there's very good reasons as to why people need to divorce, right? Toxic relationships, abusive relationships. But I don't want to be with someone that later down the line, I may have to divorce. Obviously, if those things happen, then there's no choice. But the person I want to be with, I want to know that they 100% have my back and they you know, they love me, you know, and they wouldn't just turn on me from zero to a hundred based on religion when they're being a complete hypocrite it just doesn't sit right with me. And thank God I've dodged a bullet. Cause like I said, right now, I'd probably be not even living in London. I'd be stuck in a pandemic, probably pregnant, probably wouldn't be allowed to be a presenter, probably be told to wear a headscarf. I'd probably be molded into someone that I'm not. Cause if someone can change in seven days, like you can imagine what a marriage would be like. 
correct me if I'm wrong here, but you want to get married, don't you? 100%. Yeah. So when you do get married, do you think it's going to be a struggle to find a partner who is from the same community as you, who has the same belief system as you, but who does allow you to do your career, who does allow you to have an opinion, as you mentioned earlier, who does give you the heads up? Do you reckon it's going to be hard to find someone who fits that criteria? It is hard. It is hard. I'm like between a rock and a hard place because it's like, I want someone who's Muslim, 100%. Like, because yes, I'm not super religious. I don't pray five times a day, but that's a process and personal to me that I'll get to one day. I want someone not to judge me. I want someone to go on the journey with me, but also very modern like me. So it is difficult to find those individuals because, you know, when you go on Muslim dating apps, you they're literally from zero to 100. Like the Muslim dating apps, some of the guys are like, hey, how are you? Should I meet your parents tomorrow? The fuck? Like I've just said hello. Like, and then, you know, you just get guys like just too much. Or like you get some who are super religious and I'm really honest on my profile. I'm a very liberal Muslim. X, I do X, Y, and Z. This is what I'm like. Um, and a lot of guys want someone who is really, really religious or, you know, very, very traditional. But then also I'm not the other way where I'm a complete, using the term coconut, as we always say, where I'm completely lost from my culture and religion. And I'm just this girl with no culture and a brown body. I am very cultural. I know my religion. I know my culture, et cetera. So I'm kind of in between and it is hard. But if I'm like that, and that's just one of me, imagine how many million other people are like that in the world, right? How many other modern Mm -hmm. Asian girls and guys there are. And I have met a few on dating apps where, you know, their ratio of halal and haram, as they would say, like is, you know, in line with mine. And, you know, I think that's important, but I think it is really hard. That's why it's going to take me longer. That's why I felt after all that, I wasted like two years of my life because that person knew what I was like. That person knew who I was. What I didn't like is that they wanted me to change and they knew who I was and I accepted them becoming more religious. I expected, you know, I accepted them changing, Mm -hmm. but they wouldn't accept me changing or compromise anything I said. But then again, that's that whole imbalance of man and woman, which I hate. Have your parents offered to set you up with someone? They don't know anyone. Otherwise they would have done. Yeah. They've asked my auntie, if you know any guys, let Neha know. Um, So we'll have to wait and see what happens, but they don't really know anyone. Would you do an arranged marriage? Never. Talk to us about them. Do you know anyone who's done an arranged marriage? And how is that parents are in arranged marriage? Okay. Um, My cousin was in arranged marriage. Yeah, I know quite a few people. But nowadays, arranged marriages is this. Your parents know a family. They introduce you to that son or daughter from that family. And then you do as you please. Okay. So that's, you know, modern arranged marriages. But then there is a time frame of like four, five, six months maybe. And then that process is done where you've got to know the person and then you get married. So it's a lot faster. Your parents arranged marriage. Did it look like that as well? Do they look like their arranged marriage? Did that look like their arranged marriage or was their arranged marriage different? Talk to us about that. Oh no, their arranged marriage was they met once or twice and then my dad came to London, but then they did like the Islamic paperwork. My dad came to London, set up here. She stayed in Pakistan. Then after a year, they got married. Then she moved to England. So it was very different, very distant. Letter writing, Bollywood songs down the phone, all of that sort of stuff. (laughs) Did she have any family or friends in London? No, she didn't know anyone. Complete, plucked out, put into a new family, whirlwind, came here. Would she speak English? 
Yeah, very good. Okay. She okay. speaks very good English. Yeah. Cause she went to a, a school. I think she went to, is it a Christian school or I don't know what school she went to, but she went to a convent in Pakistan. So she speaks really good English. So does my dad. And you mentioned earlier how your dad is an older gentleman in his 70s. Yeah. yeah. Is there a big age difference between him and your mum? 10 years. 10 years. Okay. It's pretty normal back then. And how quickly did they have children? Pretty fast. Like literally they had my brother, like I think in the first couple of years, um, but they would have had it earlier, but my dad was like, we're not ready. We need to get a house. We need to save some money because obviously children are expensive, etc. But normally when people get married, like especially back in their day, they'd have a kid in the first year. And are they happily married? Yeah, my parents are. Yeah, the fact that like, my dad doesn't do anything though. <laughs> yeah, they are. They're very, very happily married. Yeah, touch wood. That's why I think that's my like thing where I'm just like, I don't believe in divorce because I've not seen it. So yeah. I want to make sure that I find someone that's the same. So... Are there women in the Asian community who decide they don't want to get married and they don't want to have children? And how do the community um, see that and kind of deal with that? I don't think that would be accepted. I think they'll just look like, for example, if I turned around and said, I don't want kids and I don't want to get married, they'll be like, well, what's going to happen? Who's going to look after you? I can look after myself. You know, there is that stigma. My brother doesn't want to get married. He's 40 something, 41 yeah he doesn't want to get married that's unheard of 40 years old and not married an asian wow so he doesn't doesn't want to get married he just can't be bothered he's just like just it's just i mean he'll have girlfriends he'll date but he's just like it's just such a typical societal thing where it's just like you have to do this and this is how you have to live your life and you need to have kids and get married and He's like, someone just give me a kid, I'll be happy. But I don't really want to get married. Like that whole mundane lifestyle, like I'm already 40. There's probably not that much time left on the planet. Like why? I just don't desire it. Obviously, I don't mind a kid, but my cat will do for now. (laughs) You share the cat. Yeah, share the cat. But he's mine, let's be honest. He loves me more, but well, that's for (laughs) another day. (laughs) So going back to my previous question, if someone was to decide that I want to get married, as a man, it's, it's still kind of, what okay right but as a woman who's going to look after you yeah when it comes to children what's the kind of reaction if a woman can't have a child is that seen as you've been punished from a Mm. religious angle or is it seen as oh bless your heart let's deal with this together how is that Mm. that's a really good question I don't know for other religions but for my own religion I would say I don't think they look at it as it's a punishment I just think they will look at it more of like it's not written in your path God knows best God doesn't want you to have children for a reason it's more seen in a positive way so you know it wasn't in your path to to have children whatever happens god is the one that decides everything so allah decides everything so he's decided you can't have children for a reason it could be a health condition it could be anything really um, but it's not seen as a negative thing obviously if you're getting married to someone and you love them mm-hmm. and the family knows you can't have kids the guy's family for example there might be a thing where like it's like do you want to marry her because she can't have children even if he loves you like that sort of thing happens yeah yeah but if she chooses that she doesn't want to have children or the the couple who are married decide they don't want Mm. to have children that's not seen as you've made that choice because of god and that's Mm. your journey it's seen Mm. as you're being selfish 
Yeah, a little bit. It's just a bit like society says you should be having children, you should be getting married, etc, etc. So it's frowned upon. But yeah, I don't think there's any sort of religious backlash on that. It doesn't say anything about having to have children in your religion. It does about getting married, but not having children. Not that I'm aware of. And if I'm wrong, then like I said, I've still got some learning to do. Let's talk a little bit about your career. Obviously, you work in media, you are a presenter, you speak about dating, you've got a dating podcast. Um, how has that been seen? In your I've community? always wondered, actually, because dating in my culture and religion is haram. And I always wonder and think, I wonder if really religious people look at me and think, that's really bad that you've got a dating podcast, you're promoting haram activities. Um, but I don't actually care what people think or how they see me. My family all know, as long as my mum and dad know what I'm doing, I don't really care about what other people think, to be honest. Um, but seen in the media side of things, luckily, I'm from, from Pakistan. I'm from quite a modern area in Pakistan. I'm from the city. I'm from Karachi. So my family back home and here, very modern. They love the fact that, you know, I'm on TV, I do media, you know, they love all that, to be honest. So it's not seen bad at all not one bit it's really interesting but Um, other families in the Asian culture would say that you're gallivanting on tv and you know it's not nice to be a doctor be a solicitor be a scientist you know do do Asian jobs yeah we spoke over Instagram the other week because I shared something about domestic abuse and it was uh, a woman from the Asian community speaking Mm. about her experiences and in your, my, in your response to me reposting that, you said this happens a lot. You mm. also mentioned it earlier in relation to divorce. Talk to us through that. Why did you automatically think that's, that happens in the Asian community more than other communities? Because Asian women are mute. They're not. But that's how they have been conditioned and grown to be. They're mute. If you have an issue... It doesn't leave your house. You can't tell your parents. You can't. It's shamed upon. Okay. If you had an issue and you were Asian and your husband was beating you, God forbid, and we're well, not Asian, so I don't have to say God forbid. Um, but let's just say if you if you were and you told your best friend, that's shaming your husband and it looks bad. That shit has been left, hopefully, in like 20 2000s or whatever the 90s hopefully but it still happens to this day where those traditional values of you not being able to share your experiences with other people um has caused you to be mute and you can't talk about it divorce another thing what did I just say I said I feel like I don't believe in divorce I don't believe in divorce probably because the way I've seen my parents and they haven't divorced and I really don't want to marry someone that I don't know enough or whatever it is to get divorced but that's how I've been conditioned and grown up. But divorce is conditioned, conditions people and, um, you know, gets them to think that actually it's a bad thing. So if you're getting abused, you need to stick it through because you're probably going to be worse off being divorced. That's kind of how it's seen a little bit, which is really sad, isn't it? It is. It is, but it's... They can't speak up. No. Um, what about women who get divorced maybe for that reason, how are they then seen in the community? Can they get yeah. remarried? They can and they will get remarried because there's loads of divorcees out there. Like there's loads of women and men that have been divorced and, you know, they do get remarried, but it's definitely seen as a blip. Um, what about the English culture? Is it seen a blip if, um, you know, an English person gets divorced? I mean, is it normal in your eyes? I would say so. 
Yeah, it's really not in the Asian culture. Yeah, no. Um, I don't think it's really a thing um, anymore. I mean, it is here for me as an Eng- as someone from the Eng- like white British community. That's the right way to say it. Um, I don't want to get married. Mm. I want to have children, but if I don't find a man, I'll just do it myself. Mm. And I've had those conversations with my parents, and they're like, "That's not a problem." That's good. I mean, I would definitely. That doesn't happen over here. <laughs> do you know what I mean? So it's differences like that. And I like, uh, the other day we were speaking about a TV show that you were watching. You like don't watch it with your parents, and I was like, "Well, me and parents talk about this all the time." And you're like, "Oh, okay, <laughs> well that's different." Yeah, exactly. Like for me, like that sort of stuff just wouldn't. Just, I mean, just I'll give you an example. This morning, me and my mum were doing a workout class and we were doing this stretch where you, you're flat on your belly and your bum's in the air. And the instructor goes, oh, this is called like the, the cat pose or something like this. Mm. And I turned to my mum and went, I know this is a different name. Talking about doggy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And my mum just laughed. Okay, that's yeah, the kind of conversation to, that yeah, I have I would with never my be able to say that sort of stuff. Like, because obviously sex is off the cards to talk about. It's just a taboo subject. But that might not be a cultural thing. That might be my family. Yeah. So I'm not. Sh- I'm sure that not all families would have those kind of discussions. But that's kind of just the way we we do things. I don't yeah. Know. It's weird. It's different. It's, it's, it's really it's different. different, isn't it? It's really different. Yeah. Two cultures are, I guess, yeah, super different. And but I'm I'm hoping things are going to be changing. Um. You know, there's a really cool Instagram page called South Asian Queens, and you know they always talk about the, the typical stereotypes of like how you know the woman has to do this the woman has to do that you know um I've seen these really good memes of like the dad saying okay so um you know what can your son do etc like an arranged marriage situation and then the son's like oh I can't cook and clean and they're like can your daughter cook and clean yes my daughter can cook and clean and he was like I'm sorry but you're not good enough for my daughter and he was like, oh, why? Why? And he was just like, well what's going to happen when my daughter comes home from work hungry? What is she going to eat? You know, so it was just completely flipping it as in like, why is it always the other way? You know, are there men who support those kind of views? Oh, 100%. Of course they do. Like, I remember I was um, chatting to this guy, this Asian guy on the apps like a while back. And he just kept saying, okay, so can you cook? So can you cook? Like, what did you cook today? Just kept asking about me cooking because I do a cooking TV show. But he asked me so many times. I was like, this guy literally just wants a housewife like forget this you know yes I'll cook for you of course I will if I love someone I'd love to do that you know I'd make dinner for you but I'd like it back as well you know I want someone who can pull their weight around other men who share the same view as you where they would like it to be like that they would like to cook for you and they they don't think that they shouldn't have to learn how to fry an egg because yeah they should have they should learn Yeah, yeah, there are nowadays, absolutely. But that's just my job to filter through when I'm on the apps to actually really get to know someone because how much do you actually really get to know someone? Like, how can you? Like, I definitely feel like in my last relationship, I did not know that person. So I felt like I've been like woke fished, if that makes sense. It's like a new dating phrase. <laughs> I literally felt like I was Is that one you're trademarking? Yeah, woke fish. It's actually a thing I can't trademark it, unfortunately. Oh. It's where you're with someone and they try to pretend to be someone completely they're not. And then you realize actually they are super religious and they're super expecting of all these things, but they're just pretending to be someone else. But when family pressure comes, that they are who they are. So, see, that's another thing. Another yeah. raise, another thing I want to I want to raise is that in the Asian community, what the problem is is that you can't meet their family 
it's really difficult because family actually is a really big thing especially in our culture when you get married you're not just marrying the person you're marrying the family mm-hmm. and I know that's probably maybe similar in yours as well but for us that's really big you know and had I'd met let's not use him as an example let's just say my other ex's family or you know, boys is family. That says a lot about that person. And then you get to truly see who that person is when they're with their family, around their family, what they're like with family pressures, you know? Though in our culture, it's like you get to the stage of, of where you want to get married and then you meet their family and things can either go left or right. But by that point, you've wasted so much time. And I feel like when I have kids, I want to make sure that my daughter actually gets a chance to see the guy's family and I don't want it to be a thing where you only meet the family when you start talking about marriage or when shit gets Mm -hmm. serious because by that point it could be too late and like me you could waste like two years of your life are there any times where people get shunned from the community completely cut out from from village not not a village but you know what I mean like if someone was for example to to fall pregnant Mm. uh, before marriage and they didn't have a boyfriend Oh, yeah, definitely. Of course, you know, absolutely. That sort of stuff happens. It's very common. Um, You know, I saw this really interesting video, and I think it was on South Asian Queens on Instagram, where this man was speaking at this wedding, and he's talking about how, you know, he's had the best time of his life with his son. And then when his son turned around and said that he's gay, for him, life had gone downhill. And all those happy memories he had with his son had gone downhill and he'd forgotten all of them. And he went to uh, scientists and doctors to figure out how to get rid of that illness out of him. I'm being serious here. And then he got to the point where he then did some own research and went to a library and tried to find out what gay meant and like, how do you become gay and all that sort of stuff. And then he then realized like, will I love him any less? No, you know, and this isn't an illness. He educated himself. He said, this is just who he is. And then he spoke about how, is it really going to bother me of 50% of the community cutting us out? Or will it bother me that, you know, my son is not in my life anymore? That's more important. So I would rather have 50% of the community cut me out and just have 50% of the community that, you know, are there for us. So in those instances, yes, definitely. Does that happen often though? Or does, does the family a lot of the time shun the child so many asian men who are gay and their parents don't know and they'll never know and they'll always keep it a secret will they get married i don't know i really want to ask some of my friends this i will probably one day i don't know i don't know what the situation is for them but it's very sad and uh, you know asian mentality grandparents parents views are very like awful to my views in the sense where I believe in everything, whatever, whoever anyone wants to be, they can be, right? And I don't think it's weird, strange or anything. It is mm-hmm. who they are. Whereas still today, my parents, aunties, uncles, cousins, they just think it's weird. And it's it's, it's apparently against in our religion. I mean, I don't want to comment too much on that because again, I need a lot of reading to do myself and educating. But, you know, that sort of thing in my culture and religion is completely shunned upon. What about abortion? Yeah, abortion too. That's completely shunned upon. But to be honest, I think my mum had one. I don't think I know she has. So, um, with your I think father, my fam- yeah, with my father. So I think it was the second one because it just wasn't the right time. Money, like just, it just wasn't the right time. But if you're married and you do it, it is massively shunned upon. And like his aunties, his sisters, they all were really angry about it and annoyed. And they were like, what is this? But it's between a couple. You can do what you want. 
Why do you think she had one and why don't you know she had one? It's not really openly talked about, but I've heard her and my brother speak about it. It's kind of like one of those things where I'm just like, I probably will ask her now, like after you've asked that now, because I can't, she'll be fine to tell me about it. But um, yeah, it's just not one of those things where I have ever asked her really as an adult. I don't know why. I haven't really got any more questions for you. I feel like we've gone through a really interesting journey and I've learned <laughs> no, I've learned so much about your you. your culture and community is there anything else that you would like to enlighten people like me about um I think things are changing slowly slowly in the Asian community for sure I think communication is everything I think you'd be surprised you know how open your parents can be if you just communicate with them like if I'd spoken to them about my first boyfriend I'm sure they would have been supportive they were amazing this time around because I struggled after that breakup badly and they were so there for me so I definitely think communicate with your parents especially if you're listening and you're from the Asian culture and if you're not from the Asian culture it's okay to ask questions it's okay to get things wrong I'm not going to be Sam Smith and kick off because you've given the wrong terminology about something and try sue you you know if you say things wrong as long as you apologize you are allowed to make mistakes and I feel like people are really scared and also for Asians listening if people do want to learn and are asking questions don't judge them and roll your eyes all these memes about you know during Ramadan when a white person asks you are you not allowed to drink water either well how are they supposed to know if they don't know, they don't know. Um, if you want people to respect your religion, let them ask the questions and let them educate themselves, right? Don't get offended if people ask questions. So that's it, really. Neha, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. No worries. I feel like I've literally just told you everything. Isn't it like a therapy session? It's great. Yeah, I know, and also, it's, it's so nice to actually have a, a deep, meaningful conversation with you. I know, because we are pretty silly when we're together. We're pretty weird. So it's mm. nice to nice to do this. Well, thank you ever so much. Thank you so much for having me on, woman to woman. <laughs> it's just so important that we learn from each other and we take the time to understand one another and our views. And I really enjoyed chatting to Neha about her culture her identity and her community it's just so different to mine and it's so refreshing to learn about other people if you enjoyed listening to Neha's wonderful voice you can check out her podcast it's all about dating it's called Dating Dilemmas Podcast it's brilliant I actually feature on one of the episodes as well about being single so go and check that out and of course if you want to follow her you can see her um social media handle in the bio of this podcast thank you so much for joining us again for the woman to woman podcast for episode three i'll be back next week for another fantastic opportunity to speak to another incredible woman have a great week mm-hmm.